If you don't have the gift of evangelism, you may see non-Christians in the decisions you're making, and you're a little annoyed by it or frustrated by it. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That was a dumb decision. That's not going to work. What are you thinking? If you're an evangelist, your heart breaks. You're like, they need the Lord. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes, too, evangelists get accused of being uh, not as deep. So we talked in a previous episode about the teacher. The teacher goes very deep. The evangelists, they don't, because what they're trying to do is translate basic Christian gospel truth to people who have no idea what they're talking mm-hmm. about. All right, Mark and Grace Driscoll here with the uh, XO Real Marriage podcast. Do you like doing these, baby? You can be honest. Yeah, it's fun to help other couples. I mean, I'd rather have them here so I can talk to them and ask questions, but... <laughs> yeah, you're more of that social, relational, sit down, ask questions, listen, look them in the eye. I just trust the Holy Spirit to transport the information in ways that it needs to be. (laughs) Well, thank you for uh, tuning in and uh, joining us. And we met at 17. Uh, I got saved at 19. We got married at 21. And I would say that one of the things that has been the biggest blessing and benefit to our marriage is just serving in ministry together. Mm -hmm. We've done that paid, unpaid. Uh, over the course of our time together. And we really love you, the couple that's listening or the person that's listening, and we love the local church. And so we're wanting to help you figure out your spiritual gifts and then you and your spouse figuring out how to serve Jesus together and do ministry, especially in and through your local church. So we've even got a free ebook that goes a lot deeper than the... uh, the podcast, uh, Spiritual Gifts, uh, Finding Your Position on Team Jesus. And we'd love to give that to you as a gift. It's about 100 pages. But this week, the question is, do you have the gift of evangelism? Does your spouse have the gift of evangelism? And so uh, I'll start with a uh, historical, uh, somebody you may not have heard of. When we think of evangelists, who's the first person that comes to mind? Billy Graham. Billy Graham. (laughs) Uh, Well, before Billy Graham, there's a guy named George Whitfield, 1700s. He began preaching at the age of 24. And some would say he's the greatest preacher our country has ever produced. He preached 18,000 sermons. Oh, wow. I mean, that is... To over 10 million people. Live. That's crazy. No microphone, no technology during the Great Awakening. He planted 150 churches in New England, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland. He would preach open air to crowds upwards of 30,000 people, no electricity or microphone in that day, and he would be coughing and spitting up blood after preaching. Mm. I mean, just crazy. It's estimated that most American citizens heard him preach at least once as he spoke in the room to upwards of 10 million people in person. And his farewell sermon at Boston Commons drew more people than Boston's entire population and was the largest crowd ever gathered in America up to that time. Wow, that's incredible. That dude was a machine, man. And he Mm -hmm. said, uh, quote, God forbid that I should travel with anybody a quarter of an hour without speaking of Christ to them. (laughs) That's the evangelist. That's cool. If you've ever sat on a plane next to an evangelist, you know exactly what this looks like. (laughs) Within 15 minutes, they're like, "Mm, if this plane goes down, do you know if you're going (laughs) to heaven or hell? You're like, here we go. Um, Spiritual gift of evangelist, obviously, um, they love non-Christians. They feel very comfortable talking to non-Christians. The the cussing and drinking and, uh, you know, 
oddities of non-Christians don't bother them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes religious people are like, oh my gosh, they said a potty word and you know, her, her underwear is her outterwear and I'm not sure we should be here. And the, not, the evangelist is like, they don't get know Jesus, saved. man. That's why we're here. We're going to get yeah. him filled with the Holy Spirit and he'll fix all this. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes Christians feel a little odd around non-Christians or a little off-put. Evangelists? No way. They sometimes would rather be outside of the church than inside the church. They'd rather hang out with non-Christians than Christians. They're going to pick lost people as their friends. Um, And when they think of ministry, they're thinking of getting involved in the community, coaching a kid's sports team, you know, serving in an after-school program, whatever the case may be. Uh, Obviously, Jesus had this gift. He came to seek and save the lost. The Apostle Paul, Mm -hmm. legend, preaching everywhere he goes. Um, so maybe, uh, for us, you and me, spiritual gift of evangelism, do you think it's a gift that either of us has? You do definitely. You think definitely? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's one of my strongest gifts. I think there's a gift mix. It's somewhere in my mix. The gospel is taught in every message that you get <laughs> somehow in some form. So I think that you do. Well, um, I mean, you love seeing people get saved. You know, when people get saved and baptized, it's it's the Super Bowl yeah, for me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love it too, but you like, you just, yeah, it's your thing. Well, I, so I think teaching is a stronger gift for me, and profit is probably a stronger gift. Um, we've been honored. We save no one. The Holy Spirit is the only one that saves. Uh, under my preaching, 10,000 people have been baptized, uh, in addition to the online, which we'll never know, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I do firmly believe that no one is beyond the grace of God. Amen. And I believe that God could take someone who is a million miles away from Jesus and in an instant completely change that. 100%. And I believe that, and my, one of my favorite things, so in addition to a gift, sometimes God gives us a burden for a certain group of people. I just have a heart for men. Mm-hmm. Just like you have a heart for women, you have a heart for single moms. And I just believe that, man, if a guy can meet Jesus, get born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, whole generations of a family could be completely altered. And so even the, the, the mission statement for Trinity Church, which we founded five years ago, is we open our Bibles to learn, we open our lives to love, so that lives and legacies are transformed. Yep. I want to see a guy who loves Jesus, love his wife, love his kids, and I want to see generations doing the same thing. Yeah. And so, That's awesome. and I was so jacked up. I mean, I got saved at 19. And for those of you who don't know our story, maybe you tell them, you know, what were we doing before I got saved? Things we weren't supposed to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were. I'm sleeping with a pastor's daughter, which now that I'm a pastor... I don't know why lightning didn't come out of heaven <laughs> and just strike me dead. And so, because God wanted to save you and help you tell other people not to do that, and that He can yeah. <laughs> save you from anything. But it's like if God can be like, "Hey, you're sleeping with the pastor's daughter, and I'm going to save you, forgive you, and call you to be a pastor," I'm like, then God's capable of miracles. <laughs> And I've just experienced a lot of God's grace, and I think that God has grace oftentimes for people that we don't Mm -hmm. and to degrees that we won't, you know? So, but you, I don't think you're, I don't think evangelist is one of your strongest gifting. Mm -mm. 
I appreciate it, but I, it's not my gifting. But there is a category of person that you have a particular burden and heart for. The single moms. The single moms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you meet a single mom who doesn't know Jesus, you're going to invite her to church. You're going to buy her groceries. You're going to build a relationship with her. You're going to pray for her. You're going to buy her a Bible. I mean, you you want her to meet Jesus. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? Why do you have a burden for single moms? Um, single moms have just a really hard, um, a lot of responsibilities that are really hard and they don't get a break. And um, Jesus is really the only one that can heal a lot of the deep wounds that they carry around from either growing up and or the marriage that they were in, or even if they weren't the married, abandonment the abandonment. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, you know, they're just exhausted. They have to work and raise their kids and do everything and they don't have help with it like a spouse. And so, um, for me, I just, yeah, God has just burdened my heart with single moms. And if they don't know Jesus, that's really the only way that they can, um, survive that season of life with kids. Um, Mm -hmm. and they need a community around them of believers to help with, you know, carry the burdens. Well, and God says he's a father to the fatherless. Mm -hmm. And so if they do meet the Lord, not only is it a blessing to the mom, the single parent, it's also a spiritual father, God, Mm -hmm. the father for the kids. Exactly. For those that are wondering, is this my gift? Is this my spouse's gift? Or maybe even you've got kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And you start to see it in them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the questions just to consider. Yeah. Are you able to effectively communicate to non-Christians in a way they can understand? Does a person's conversion bring you profound joy? Do you find it easy to direct a conversation toward the topic of Jesus Christ? Um, when you think of lost people, you know, is your heart a bit like Jesus who wept over the lost people of his city of Jerusalem? Yeah, if you've got the gift of evangelism, if you don't have the gift of evangelism, you may see non-Christians in the decisions you're making, and you're a little annoyed by it or frustrated by it. Like, that doesn't make any sense. That was a dumb decision. That's not going to work. What are you thinking? If you're an evangelist, your heart breaks, you're like, they need the Lord. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, too, evangelists get accused of being uh, not as deep. So we talked in a previous episode about the teacher, and the teacher goes very deep. The evangelists, they don't, because what they're trying to do is translate basic Christian gospel truth to people who have no idea what they're talking mm-hmm. about. So like, uh, give you an example. I was at a, uh, at an event and a pastor got up and he tried to try to do evangelism. And he, uh, he literally, he, he literally said, if you would like to have atonement for your sins and fellowship with God, <laughs> see, why are you laughing at the pastor? Because of Christianese, yeah. nobody knows what that means. Yeah. If they're not a Christian, and most Christians don't even know what that means. <laughs> most pastors don't even know what that means. Atonement for your sin is like, I mean, what he's talking about. It doesn't sound very relational. <laughs> no, but I mean, theologically, categorically. I mean, he was yeah. right. It's yeah, Jesus died in your place for your sins to endure the wrath of God, to give you the grace of God. Right. Like, I understand. But he didn't say that. He right. said the word atonement. Right. It's, it was like, <laughs> I don't know. Sounds like a heavy metal band. <laughs> atonement. You know? And then uh, and then he and he said fellowship with God. And I was like, yeah. fellowship? Yeah. Like, I, I mean. going to attract most people. No. The average non-Christian is like, I got to get a thesaurus to figure out how to receive Christ, <laughs> figure out what these words mean. And sometimes we get so used to the Christian subculture and sphere that it's we've got our own insider language. Mm-hmm. 
it's almost like this this subculture with its own uh, vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And the evangelist is like, no, you got to speak English. You got to yeah. you got to speak to human beings. Mm -hmm. You got to translate this. And um, and that's the evangelist. They have the heart for lost people, and also the uh, non judgmental attitude, the hope that they can be changed, mm -hmm. and the ability to translate Christianese into what Charles Spurgeon called plowman's English. Yes. It's just the nomenclature of the street, just talking to regular folks. If, um, if someone, let's say you're married to someone that has this gift, what would you say, honey? This is a minor gift of mine. I don't think it's my major gift, but even being married to somebody that has this gift, what are some things that you're going to need to accommodate or consider for them to use their gift? Well, I think as a kid, my dad had this gift and I was embarrassed by it. And so- Your dad I, was a pastor. I know. And because I I was like, dad, don't Why is that tell everybody about Jesus. Because <laughs> I didn't understand. I didn't have a super deep relationship. I had a very simple faith. And so for me, it was just embarrassing that he was trying to tell everybody about Jesus. Like, where so, would he do that? Oh, at coffee shops or, you know, in town when Breakfast. we run errands and, you You're know. At the grocery it, store line. Yeah, school. It, it Yeah. So, I mean, I think as a spouse, um, if your spouse has this gift, you really got to put down that embarrassment. You really just have to say, you know what, if this is their gift, why do I not want people to hear about Jesus? Is this an issue in my soul or do not, do I not understand the importance of a relationship with Jesus and that yeah. actually they will go to hell if they don't know Jesus. And so for me, it really challenged me um, about my own relationship with Jesus. And I think, you know, some people can be embarrassing about sharing the gospel and you don't want to be that way as an evangelist. You want to just be gracious. You want to be kind, not overbearing or um, yeah, religious burn, or flip yeah, or fly, you know, or die. just yeah. be interested in the person so that they might have interest in what you're saying. And I think honestly, you know, all of the gifts as we use them, we need to be prayerful about them. But evangelism, when you feel like God's nudging you to evangelize someone, I mean, please say a quick prayer and, and ask the Lord how to direct you in that so that you're not turning someone off. If they're turned off by truth, that's different than being turned off by your methods. And so, yeah, I just think it's important. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a guy that stands out on the street corner um, with a sign. He's not one of the ones that's like yelling at you. He literally just stands at the stoplight with a scripture on a cardboard sign um, and just walks up and, and down smiles. while people are at the light. And I gave him a thumbs up the other day and he smiled back. It was just like, you know, that's yeah. okay. That's that's his form of evangelism. He's not yelling or screaming at anybody. He's just, he has a verse with God's truth and the gospel on it. And so there's all kinds of ways, just like with teaching that you can evangelize. And it can be a process too. It doesn't have to be like, you're an evangelist, an evangelist if, you evangelize someone and they become a Christian right away. Sometimes it's a process. It just means your passion part is God's for people to, yeah. But you did, uh, you did something for me that was evangelistic. I gave you a Bible. Yeah. So you get saved. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, if you're the person that has the gift of evangelism, there's all kinds of methods. Grace mentions it. You may be the one who takes people out to launch your coffee and talks to them. You may be the one who wants to bring over all your non-Christian friends and do an evangelistic study at the house. When I was a brand new Christian, the first Bible study I led, 
Yeah, college dorm. In college dorm, like I just got saved. I mean, there's still smoke coming off of me. I barely <laughs> made it. And the guys on my dorm floor, I suddenly realized like they don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. I got to reach them. I, that's just the heart of the evangelist. Like, um, well, and you were so excited about your faith because you realized what you'd been rescued from. And so you wanted them to understand why you were different. And you just basically turned it into um, a study where they got to ask questions and you looked all the questions up and would answer them the following week. It was like an apologetic study. Yeah, that was my first Bible study. (laughs) I pulled the guys in my dorm floor and I was like, come into my room. (laughs) And I scheduled it. I I was one of the only guys in the dorm floor. This was a long time ago. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. Um, I had cable and a TV. And so the guys were like, we don't want to come to a Bible study. I was like, how about if I order pizza, we do a Bible study, and then you guys, we can watch The Simpsons. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not saying it was, you know, Billy Graham or anything. I'm not even saying it was wrong. I was a new Christian, so don't judge. That was but, a tame show for you back then. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was like, that, yeah, as a new Christian, this where is where you come from, not where you are. <laughs> and so I told the guys on my dorm floor because they all wanted to watch Simpsons, but they didn't have cable TV in their room. So they all came in and they're like, "All right, what are we studying?" I was like, "I have no idea. I just got <laughs> saved. I don't know anything." So what I told them was, I said, "You guys bring all of your questions." And then I will write them down, and then the next week I will study them, and then I'll bring you the answer, because I didn't know what any of the answers were. (laughs) Not shocking. The first questions were about weed, dinosaurs, and UFOs. That's always where you start. Did the... You, you know, did the aliens come and smoke weed and ride dinosaurs? I mean, that's the bonus <laughs> round question. And then eventually they got into all kinds of different, you know, what's the mark of the beast? I'm like, I don't know. But it helped you uh, study the Bible and figure it out. Well, then I started buying, now, now the teaching gift kicks mm-hmm, in. Now I'm exactly. buying books and now I'm doing research and all this stuff. And so I would put together, I spent more time on my evangelistic Bible study as a freshman in college than any of my classes. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know anything, but by the end of the year, if my memory serves me correct, I think every guy in the study got saved and baptized. Mm, That's cool. And I remember we, or most of us went to the church men's retreat together, a couple carloads of guys. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I just, as a brand new Christian, I knew non-Christians and I just wanted to help. Mm Mm-hmm. And God honored that. He was very gracious. Awesome. And, uh, and so in that, you know, the evangelist is going to be the person that they may do some things that are a little different. Mm-hmm. They may be hanging out with people that you're like, what the heck? Um, they may be trying some methods to reach but people. But that's what Jesus did. Tax collectors and prostitutes. I mean. Well, and the religious people were always criticizing. Yeah. Look at the people he hangs out with. Yeah, exactly. and he's like, yeah, they're lost and they need to mm-hmm. be found. And they're not going to come to church, so we need to bring church yeah, to them. absolutely. And, and so on the flip side, for those of you that maybe have the gift of evangelist, so let's say you're married to someone that has a gift of evangelist, you're going to need to allow them some time to mm-hmm. spend with non-Christian friends, maybe do non-Christian Bible study, be taking people out to coffee and lunch. Some of their time and energy and money, including Bible studies and books, is going to go to people that are not Christians. And they may be people that are, their life is a mess mm-hmm. and they got a lot going on. And you just need to say, you know what? I'm married to an evangelist. They're trying to lead them to Jesus. 
they're going to take him out to coffee tonight. They're going to buy him a book. They're going to, you know, we're going to have mm-hmm. some people in our house that, you know, these wouldn't be my first pick for friends, <laughs> but they're, they're people we're trying to reach. Yeah. But what I would say too, uh, there's always the spiritual gift and then there's the gift in the flesh or the gift in the spirit and the gift in the flesh, the shadow side, uh, if you have the gift of evangelism, you can become very self-righteous, very judgmental and very proud and arrogant that other people don't care about lost people as much as you. Mm-hmm. And you can get very judgy. Oh, you church people, you don't even care about lost people. People are going to hell and you're you know, trying to raise money for a sound system. You can get very <laughs> judgy. Yeah. And so I'll close with a story that comes to mind, uh, kind of on the negative and uh, pejorative. So do you remember, we used to live up in Seattle and we were raising five small kids and we went to the fair. The big mm-hmm. deal up there, I think it was every September, is this one of the mm-hmm. biggest fairs in the country. Livestock and rides and funnel cakes and <laughs> terrible deep fried food. It's just it's just livestock and yeah. diabetes. I mean, that's yeah. all it is. But it's a lot of fun. We'd bring the kids. And we were leaving the fair, and there were some street evangelists mm-hmm. uh, with the big signs, you know, um, and they had a bullhorn. Mm-hmm. And they were not just evangelizing people they were harassing them and scaring people scaring people they were yelling at total strangers coming in and out Telling of the fair them they were gonna go to hell just like you're dressed like a jezebel whore you're gonna burn in hell i mean and i was like good night so they're yelling at you know people walking into the fair based upon their outward appearance their mm-hmm. attire Whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Somebody's smoking, you know, you think that smoking's a thing. Wait till you're the one who's on fire in hell. Just you're like, oh gosh, I was like, "Ah." I don't know if you're on Jesus team or Satan sent you in (laughs) to pretend you were on Jesus team. You're no compassion. Well, love is not rude. Mm -hmm. And this was just rude. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were walking out and I would always go to the fair with sunglasses and a hat because I'm trying to hide. Some people knew who I was and that wasn't always a good thing. Some people don't like me. Maybe they've got the gift of discernment. Anyways, uh, we're walking out and they recognized who I was. And it was you and I and the five kids. And so they had the big signs and the bullhorns and they surrounded our family. And they were yelling at me, and I'm holding hands with our young children coming mm-hmm. out of the fair. Uh, they're yelling at me through the bullhorn, terrifying our children. Because mm-hmm. our kids don't have any, they just went to the fair with their mom yeah, and their dad. They have no exactly. idea what is happening. And uh, and they were yelling at us, and I was like, and they recognized who I was. Mm-hmm. And they followed us all the way to our car, mm-hmm. surrounded us, grown men, a number of them, with huge signs that were like a wall and a bullhorn screaming at us. And the whole time they were eviscerating me because I wasn't doing street preaching. Mm-hmm. I was like, guys, I love Jesus. I yeah. preach the gospel every week. By God's grace, 10,000 people have been baptized mm-hmm. under my preaching. Um, like I do want people to meet Jesus. I just have a different method. Yeah. You know, I have a different method yeah. and I don't judge your method. Mm-mm. The principle is share the gospel. The methods are whatever works for you. But they had gotten very legalistic and very judgmental and very religious and proud. And that was if you're in the church, you're not as godly as the people on the street. Mm-hmm. And if you're preaching the gospel from the pulpit, you're not as godly as the people yelling with the megaphone at the mm-hmm. fair. And uh, do you remember that day? Yeah, I do. It was scary. 
Do you remember the look on the kids' faces? Yeah, they were terrified. They just we were just trying to get to the car quickly to get in the car, and the kids were. I think um, our youngest daughter was crying because she just didn't even. She was just scared. She had yeah. no idea. Yeah. And we got in the car, and the kids were like, "Dad, who are those men, and why are they so angry, and why are they yelling at us?" Mm -hmm. Like, oh, those are street evangelists. <laughs> <laughs> those are terrorists for Jesus, <laughs> and we're not against. Um, street evangelism, no. but that is that was one of those ways where it was like, man, the the self righteousness mm -hmm. and the judgmentalism and the lack of love and the um, just the religious spirit of it mm -hmm. all. Yeah. And so, if you have the gift of evangelism, praise God <laughs> and use it so that people will meet Jesus. But our encouragement would be watch the use of your gift in the flesh, mm -hmm. because what you can be doing in the name of evangelism is turning people away from Jesus Christ yeah. um, because your methods don't convey his heart. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we love you. And uh, if you're offended by that, send an email to hello at realfaith.com. We've got a team standing by to delete that as our <laughs> ministry to you. We'd love to give you the entire uh, Spiritual Gifts, Finding Your Position on Team Jesus book. And uh, in the next episode, we're going to get into shepherding and care and mercy ministry and walking with a hurting. And uh, maybe that explains you and or your spouse. <laughs> <laughs>